0: This is The Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. And last Sunday, we did a message called Songs from a Cave. Uh, and uh, we explored that topic. And uh, what we started last week, I kind of want to continue this week. And the uh, message I want to title this week is Songs from Pain. Last week was Songs from a Cave, and this week uh, the message is titled Songs from Pain. And I want you to turn your attention to Job chapter 42. And even though we're not doing an expositional book study, we will still be studying the Word like we always do. And in Job, Job 42, we'll, we'll go through a few verses, uh, I think at least till verse 9 if we have time today. And I want to get us out of here in a good amount of time. But bear with me as I go through this word this morning. In Job 42, there's this conversation that God has been having with Job, or Job has been having with God. It has been a lengthy conversation, a conversation that was not really rosy or not really nice because Job is taking time like uh, David took time last week where he was sitting in a cave and he was writing these songs to God. These were not the songs of praise or not the songs of, that you would expect that gave glory or anything of that. So these were songs that came from the heart uh, of, a, of a person that was hurt, a person that was in pain. There are so many of us that go through pain in our lives and out of those seasons, my question today is what comes out of your heart? The quality of a good Christian is found in how he handles or she handles the most critical times of disappointments, of rejections, of pain, of of sickness, disease, of moments where you get unexpected news, death. A lot of those things, when it comes to the Christian, you learn how the Christian is made. Job is going through a very similar situation that David was going through last week, but one in which he doesn't even understand why God is doing what he does. In chapter number 42... Job is actually talking, having this to and forth with God after God has answered him, after 38 something chapters of Job going to and forth with God. And the Bible says in verse number one, Then Job answered, and the Lord uh, answered the Lord, and he said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here, I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard off you by the hearing of the year, but now my eyes see you. Now my eye sees you. Close your eyes with me as I say a word of prayer for the word today. Father, I ask God that you will give me the ability today to explain this word to the best of my ability. Lord, I pray that you will soften our hearts, that, Lord, you will open our hearts, and you'll show us your way and your will. And I pray, God, that you will reveal your heart to us through this word. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to make a few statements here before we dive into this word of God. You know, we serve a God who is very intentional, Uh, his actions are never an end to themselves. God's actions are always a means to an end. When he's doing something you can see, he's doing something that you cannot see. Whenever you think that he's doing nothing, he's actually doing something. He's working when he's working, and he's working when you think he's not working. He's moving when he's moving, and he's moving when you think he's not moving. He's thinking of you when he's thinking of you, or when you think he's thinking of you, and he's thinking of you even when you think he's not on, you're not on his mind. He's opening doors for you when you see those doors open, and he's opening doors for you even when you see those doors shut. It might not be the door that you're expecting him to open, but it might be another one that your eyes cannot see, or your mind cannot perceive. He's making a way for you, even though it seems as though he's not making a way for you. God always remains God. He doesn't change according to circumstances, he doesn't change according to your pain tolerance. He doesn't change according to what you're going through in your life in a given week, and then he doesn't change according to his whim and fancy. And this is why I learned to praise him when he's doing something, and I should praise him when I think he's not doing anything, but he's still doing it. And this is why I should praise him when he's doing something, when I should, and I should praise him when he's doing nothing. This is an exciting concept, but it's an also very unsettling concept. It's a it's a it's an exciting understanding it's an inciting insight but it's also a very troubling insight if you know what I'm talking about. And why do I say that because we are restless as human beings as Christians as as people because we always want to know what the something is. God tell me give me a sneak peek give me an idea Give me, uh, g- me an insight as to what you may be doing so that I will keep your mouth shut. Guess what? Even if he gives you an insight, you're still going to ask him questions. If he gives you a sneak peek, guess what? It's not going to stop there. It's going to keep going and going and going and going. And it's, 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 it's just the fact that we want to be in the mix. We don't want to be left out. We want to be included in the plans. It's an adult thing, right? We want to know every detail of everything. You know, kids are not like that. Right? Kids are carefree. Kids don't care. You just tell the kids, hey, we're going to the water park. They're like, oh, we're going to the water park. Right? They don't care about when. They don't care about how. They don't care about how much it costs. They don't care about if you're using your credit card or your debit card. They don't care about any of that stuff. All they care is fun. When you say water park, they just care about fun. They don't care about the process. They probably might ask you, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like a million times. But it doesn't change the fact that they don't care about the process. They just care about the end result. But we as human beings, as Christians, are not often manufactured the same way. There's a reason, the Bible says, and the children will inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are the children. There's this this adaptability that these kids have to situations where they say, I trust in dad, I trust in mom, and because of that, I'm going to be okay. It's an adult thing. We want to be let in on the plans of God and that's where the issue is because the Bible tells us that his plans are not our plans, that his mind is not our mind, that his plans are higher than our plans. Someone say higher than our plans. It's important for the Christian to understand that and to accept that, not just hear it in a message, not just to be like, okay, that's how God is, but to accept it and run with it and roll with it and say, hey, if that's who God says I am, or if that's who God says he is, and that's who God is, I am going to accept that his plans are not my plans. Because here's the thing, elevation determines perspective. When you're sitting on a runway in an airplane, the, the only perspective you have is through this little glass window, a double pane window that you look through and all you can see is the tarmac probably, your bags getting loaded, your you know, people, people loading bags, people working on the runway, other planes coming in and out. That's all your perspective is. But guess what? The pilot's going to come on in a few minutes and give you an insight into what's about to happen. And what's about to happen is your plane's going to take off. And as your plane takes off and as elevation happens, perspective begins to change. When you were on ground level, what you could see was very limited. But as you elevate, as you go up, what you couldn't see before, you begin seeing. You start seeing the city, you start seeing airplanes, you start seeing, you start seeing the highways and roads, and soon as you elevate more, you can't even see that. You see the larger scheme of things, and oftentimes we don't see the larger scheme of things because we want to see God things standing where we are. We can never understand the mind of God and we can never understand God things by standing in our own shoes and trying to understand the mind of God. Elevation determines your perspective. I won't be able to understand what someone is doing because I'm not on their same level. It reminds me of my daughter, Michaela. A few weeks ago, and she does this very often, but a few weeks ago, after church, we went out to lunch, and after lunch, we went out to grab dessert at an ice cream bar, and we went to this ice cream bar, and we were in line, and as soon as we got to the front of the line, Michaela quickly said, hey, dad, pick me up, pick me up, pick me up, and I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired after preaching, and I'm like, oh, man, I can't pick you up, Michaela, you're too heavy, but, but Michaela wants to be picked up because she does not like the fact that she can't see the ice cream. Am I talking to somebody, anybody been there, parents have been there before? All she cares about at that point in time is, I don't care how your hand hurts, I don't care if your leg hurts, I don't care if your back hurts, I need to see if I need vanilla, or strawberry, or cookies or cream, and here's the thing, no matter what she sees, she always ends up with vanilla. Right? That's what I don't understand. But she wants to see what's in front of her. That's the amazing thing, because elevation changes perspective. Standing where she is, all she can hear is the order. All she can hear is this cookies and cream, but she can't actually see. Am I talking to somebody here? I wanna give you this perspective just because as we get into this word, this is important. And you know, I, I, because I'm standing higher than you're sitting, because of that, I can see things different. You know, I can, I can see how many of y'all are, are taking notes from standing up here. I can see how many of y'all are on your phones, like scrolling, don't tell me you're in your Bible app because it doesn't take that many scrolls. I, I see how many of y'all are double, double tapping your phones. It's a different perspective. Some of y'all are putting your phones away right now. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor be calling out people on Sunday morning. It's a different perspective, y'all. Elevation changes everything. Elevation gives me insight that, 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 you, that, that you don't have. When, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that you are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. When you became a follower, when you accepted Jesus in your heart, God gave you the ability to see things from a heavenly perspective, to see things like God sees things, to see things like how Jesus sees things. That's why the Christian has the ability to look at the report of the doctor and say, you know what? This is what the report says, but whose report will I believe? I should believe the report of the Lord. Why? Because I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Am I talking to somebody? The way you view things that happen in your life, you just lost your job, but man, you're taking it great. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. You know what? I don't view the loss of a job the same way everybody else does because my perspective is different. My elevation is different. Bro, you just failed at class. I don't know if you're going to make it through grad school. It's okay. God's got my back. I know he has a plan. I know he has a beautiful, amazing, what no eye has seen, no ears or no heart has ever imagined. Your your relationship just broke up. It's okay. My God has his plans secured through and in me. His ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. You know in in john chapter 11 you recount that story of martha and mary and i'm not going to get into that passage because of the lack of time and 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 we see martha and mary were close friends with jesus and their brother lazarus and those three had this close relationship with jesus and lazarus gets sick jesus gets word that lazarus is, is sick come to bethany real quick but guess what jesus does jesus delays Lazarus is already dead four days. The disciples look at him and say, Jesus, I don't know why you, we're going anymore. You've you delayed it. They probably buried him already. There's no, re- there's no reason for us to go. There's no reason for us to get up and get out of here. But you know what? Jesus looks at them and says, Jesus looks at these smart people, his disciples, these people of faith, and he looks at them and he says, he is just what? Sleeping. He makes a bold proclamation. he says, "He is just seeing where they saw death, he saw a nap." Where he saw fin- where they saw finality, he saw continuity. It's amazing how perspectives are different. Where they saw a period, he saw a comma. Jesus sees things different. What you see is dead. God is looking at and saying, it's just dormant. It's just sleeping. Don't you worry. I got my plans for you. Plans to succeed you. Plans to grow you. Plans to bless you. What you see is gone. What you see is over. God's like, I have a plan of restoration in your life. Maybe, just Maybe. Why he isn't rushing like you want him to is because he's not as nervous as you are. You think if he doesn't come on time, it's hopeless. But I have good news for you. Whenever he gets there, that's the right time. It's not what you think is the right time. God says, in my time, I will do all things beautiful. That gives me rest, church. He doesn't say in my time, I do all things possible. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in God's time, he does all things beautiful, which means it's just not going to be possible. When his time comes, it's going to be the very best. That's what beautiful means. See, the problem with the church is that we are intentional about teaching people how to serve, how to sow, how to reap, how to evangelize, how to give, but we haven't equipped the body of Christ to suffer. We're not doing enough to equip the body of Christ and to tell the body of Christ that you are going to suffer, that you are going to go through pain, that you are not going to go through a bed of roses. And, and we do our best here at commission to teach the word as it is. And what the word says in John 16, is in the world, there will be tribulation. You will have tribulation. But the Bible says, Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. That's what the Bible teaches, church. You see the change of elevation? He says there is tribulation in the world, but I have overcome your. Come on, somebody, this is good. He says, look at it from my perspective. I went on the cross. I died the death that nobody would have died. Why? Because I have overcome it. By my stripes, you are healed. There is power in the gospel message. And God looks at them and says, hey, I want to set your expectation. And the expectation is that you're going to go through pain. You're going to go through suffering. And Job is going to go through this season of unexpected. Now listen to me. Unexpected unexplainable, undeserved adversity. Come on, I'm talking to somebody this morning. I don't know how many of you have been there, but we go through seasons of unexplainable. Doctors have no idea what's going on, Pastor Oshish, pray. Am I talking to somebody here? I have no idea why I lost my job, Pastor Oshish. I I have no idea why I was fired, Pastor Oshish. Unexplainable, I did everything in my capacity, Pastor Oshish. I'm tithing. I'm coming on Sundays. I'm serving. I'm doing everything I should. I'm not sinning, Pastor Oshish, but this is what's going on undeserved, unexplainable, unexpected adversity. And Job is in a situation like that. You want to know who Job is? Job chapter one. You want to know how he's introduced? There's this man in the land of Uz, that's what the Bible says, whose name was Job. This man was blameless, Okay, listen up. He was, someone say, blameless. He was upright, undeserved. Am I talking to somebody? Undeserved. Blameless, upright, right? He was a man who feared God and turned away from evil. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, I want to be that man. That's amazing that somebody has a witness like that. But here's what I, I, can I be honest with y'all here? Can we have an honest God? I can't understand this. I just can't. No matter how much I tried to wrap my head around this song. I, I, I can't. And I was sitting and preparing this message this week. And I, I was like, Lord, I struggle with this. Because in chapter number 42, as we continue reading that passage, in verse number 7, this is just so contradictory, Lord. And this is what the Bible says. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless, upright man who fears the Lord and turns away from evil. There is a reconfirmation. Come on, somebody. Of what exactly have we been reading all this while? This doesn't make sense to me. I have this hard time understanding this. Why is this in the narrative? Why God... Do you have to tell us that he was upright and he did nothing wrong and he lived by the book and he was sinless and he was blameless and he stood upright and you loved him and all of this stuff. It seems like that was unnecessary because what he's going through doesn't really go along with what you think about him. Why is this in the narrative? Obviously, the Bible says that God doesn't tempt anyone. And even though the Bible says this, this description of Job is why he shouldn't be going through trouble, right? Am I talking to somebody? Like this exact description right? Divya would be exactly why anybody would say he shouldn't be going through the trouble and the calamity that he's going through. And even though he went through it, it should have been small and God should have come through for him and God should have delivered him. That my my it's hard for me to understand but the more and more i prayed about it and the more and more i asked god for wisdom now listen to me carefully god isn't recommending us to calamity the description is the in the narrative is to teach the believer that no one is exempt from it not one so the next time you sit back and say god why me God's looking at each one of us and saying, that's what I told you. And I say this all the time. The message of the cross was not a peachy one. It wasn't a, it w- it wasn't a hard sell. It wasn't a, you know, hey, this is what I have to offer. Come to me. I say this all the time, and I'm going to repeat this. If at all, Jesus looked at his followers and said, don't you, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up a cross. He said, you want to follow me? You have to leave your mother, your father. You have to leave your possessions. You have to sell all your belongings. There is a narrow road. It's not a wide road. There are no options. This is not a, this is not a thing that you could just walk into and enjoy. No, no, no. This is going to be hard is what Jesus did. It's exactly the opposite that we do in churches. Churches are like, come as you are. Do whatever you want to do. Hey, after church, come on. We'll give you coffee and donuts and we'll give you a gift into your hands. We do all of that stuff, all right? But Jesus was like, bro, I'm not giving you a gift. My, the, the gift that I'm going to give you is a hard life. Take it or leave it. Like it's persecution. It's hard. It's, it's a cross that you have to carry. And, and for those of you who have never been taught this gospel, that is the gospel of Jesus. And the, the narrative is there because God wants to teach the believer that not one person sitting in this room is exempt from calamity. No matter how good, and no matter how faithful, and no matter how wonderful Job was, calamity was about to strike his home. He was blameless, but trouble still hit his house. He was faithful, but trouble still hit his house. He gave, and he served, and he tithed, and he prayed, and he fasted, but trouble still hit his home. And God is here bragging about Job. And Satan responds. You know how Satan responds? Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? He says, God, I want to ask you a question. I think there's something in for him. Like there's something in it for him. Like there's no, I, I can't understand as to why he would just fear God for no reason. Is it for no reason that Job is favored is what Satan is asking. Look at how you blessed him. Look at his house. Like, look at his cars. That's why he loves you. That's why he adores you. That's why he worships you. That's why he stays away from evil. Here's my question. Can I ask you a question, church? Could the devil accuse you of this if he was having a conversation with God about you? Jeff, that's my question today. To each and every one of us today, this is a question to myself. Can God accuse me of, can the devil accuse me of this exact same thing? That if it wasn't convenient, would I still worship God? Look at that accusation. He said, does Job fear God for no reason? Right? He goes, everything he touches is blessed. Of course he's committed. He hasn't lost it. Of course he's committed. Trouble reveals how fragile our commitment as a Christian really is. I'm going to say that one more time. Trouble, adversity will reveal how fragile of our commitment as a Christian really is. Trouble reveals to us if we are committed to God or we're committed to a blessing. Put somebody in hot water. Put somebody in a hot pot of boiling oil. And if they say, I still trust God, you got a John right there. Put a man into a den of lions and say, denounce God. And if he says, I will still trust God, that's a Christian right there. Put three men into a burning furnace and say, denounce God. If they say, no, doesn't doesn't matter. I still trust God. That's a Christian right there. Do you worship God for the blessing? Are you worshiping the blessing? Are you worshiping the God irrespective, despite in spite of no matter what your circumstances are, good, bad, ugly, up, down, I will always trust that my God is good and his faithfulness shall endure forever and ever and ever and ever. And if there's somebody this morning that can say, no matter what happens in my life, I will still hold on to God. God says, you're upright. That's what, that's what makes you upright. Because verse number 10, Satan goes on with the accusation. Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? Listen, this is Satan talking. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased the land. Who's talking? Someone say Satan's talking. He's saying, he's saying have you not God? have you not put a hedge? Here's my question, church. Listen carefully. Here's my question. God doesn't say, I put a hedge around him. Satan says, You put a hedge around him. He accuses God of protecting his children. He accuses God of doing what God does. How does he know that there's a hedge around Job? How, how, how did Satan know that there was a hedge around Job? How would he know about the presence of a hedge unless he didn't try to get to Job? And guess what? He was probably unsuccessful. Every time he tried to penetrate, that hedge man protected protected the son of God. Come on, am I, am I talking to somebody here? Every single, here, here's my point that I'm trying to make. See, we complain about the stuff that gets through the hedge that we forget to praise God about the stuff that didn't get through the hedge. See, that's why it's important to praise him when you think he's working and praise him when you think that he's not working because without your knowledge, trust me, he's always working. He hasn't stepped off the throne. He will never step off the throne. The word of God reminds you and me that he is the same unchanging Jesus. Yesterday, today, and forevermore, he is a faithful God. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Shammah. He is your banner. He is your protector. And no matter what happens in your life, my God will always Be a God, He doesn't twist and change according to circumstances. Some of us have the skewed version of God that He's playing Twister with you. That He's working around you and around your circumstances to make sure that He, no, 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 He's not playing nothing with you. You're playing games, He's staying on the throne. You're twisting his words. You're twisting his thoughts. You're, trust me, don't try to decipher the thoughts of God. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His, he's on different elevation. He's on a different dimension. And, and pray that God gives you wisdom to understand it. But here's the thing. Don't just give praise to God for the things that you know about. Praise him for the things that you don't know about. God protected Job even when he didn't know that he was in danger. See, perspective changes everything. If I get caught up in only the things I can see, man, I I, I get this very skewed notion and understanding of God. If our perspective of God is based on the things we see and understand and comprehend, we will have a very negative, cynical, and diabolic view of God. Because that's what the enemy wants you to have. Is to doubt God with everything you have. Because there are two things that the enemy wants you to doubt: his existence. And the second thing he wants you to doubt is his faithfulness. If he can get you to doubt his existence and his goodness, he is one. Because for a lot of us, we know that he's there. He's on the, God exists. That's there. For a lot of us, that, that one thing is Satan. It's unpenetrable. Hedge. Unpenetrable hedge. But when he knows that that's unpenetrable, the second thing is he'll start asking you about the goodness of God in your life. Hey, if, if God is good, Why did that happen to you? Hey, if God is good, why did you have to go through that in your marriage? If God is so good, like he says he is, hey, didn't you make a vow to your husband? Did you make a vow to your wife? Why did God make you go through that in your marriage? Like why? Didn't you show up on time? Didn't you stay five minutes later? You never cheated on your taxes, but why did you lose that job? You never cheated in one exam at school, but why did you fail that class? see perspective is everything you and I know the story of Jonah, and because of the lack of time, I'm not going to go to verse and, verse by verse, but, but, but Jonah is, is this man that's fleeing from, 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 from this country because God has called him to, to go and evangelize to this country, and he says, no, I don't want to go there. Those people are wretched. Those people are wretched. Ah! And he makes excuses, jumps onto the ship, and the ship goes through this shipwreck, and he jumps off the ship because he wanted to save himself, and as he jumps off the ship, there's this whale that comes and swallows Jonah, and everybody here knows that story. How are you looking at your whale? Are you looking at your whale as a judgment or are you looking at your whale as mercy? Because here's the thing, Jonah could have died of hypothermia. He could have drowned in the water. Like, like I, you know, but but God was like, man, man, I'm sending a whale. And for what a lot of people think, that was the judgment of God, that he landed up in the belly of that whale. Perspective changes everything. Maybe, just maybe, God was sending that whale to protect him and to show him that he was still on the throne. Maybe. You know, I know stuff looks bad, but it could have been worse. Oh, brother, I had to go to discount tire tomorrow and change two of my tires. Man, I, I, when somebody tried to cut me off on the road. I swerved, hit the curb, and now my tires are gone. Man, I just spent $300. That drunk guy could have hit you and you could have died. But all you care about is your tires. Perspective changes every single thing. Come on, am I talking to somebody this morning? When I begin to judge the goodness of God based on what is going on around me and what didn't happen and did happen, trust me, the devil is winning because he gets to control your perspective and control your thoughts and control your decisions. But when you have resolved in your heart to say, No matter what happens in my life, God does not change, He is always the same, and it doesn't matter. I, it, I, I can lose everything there is to lose, but I will still. Get Give God the glory because he has the best in store for me and my life. Because when it rains, it's pours. You know that, right? <laughs> Some of you are like, Lord, like, you could have like spaced it out through the year. <laughs> like one in January, February, but Lord, you were waiting till July and everything at once. Have you been there, Jericho? I've been there plenty. I'm like, Lord, just like, why, why, like, why this month? Why at this point in my life? Like, any other point would have been, I would have been able to handle it, but this, this, this moment, God, this moment, God, verse number 14, all right, I'm gonna give you this Cliff Notes version of this, okay? Job's ox and donkey were seized by the Sabians. Fire falls down from the sky, burns his servants and his sheep. I know this is gory, but listen up. The Chaldeans come and seize all his camels. The windstorm took his children. It happens sequentially. Bad news after bad news. Have you been there? This compound effect. But that's what the enemy uses as a strategy to weaken your resolve. Resolve. but it's the sequential knocking down that actually puts people out. That says, I can't do this anymore. I want to throw in the towel. See, this is the setup for what we were reading in Job chapter 42. The unexpected, the unexplainable, the undeserved adversity. An upright man who loves God has been hit by tragedy. John, would you come up, please? But in verse number five, he says something very very significant. And you know what he says? He says this, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Hmm. God, I thought I knew you before this, but guess what? I only heard of you. I heard about you. But he makes this proclamation and he says, but now I see you, God. God looks at him for all the questions that he asks him. God looks at him and says, Man, do you do you even know what it takes to run a world? Do you? Yesterday I had a had a serious conversation with my daughter. She's five years old, but she's sassy. I call it the Houston sass. My wife's from Houston, so. Just kidding. She's like, you gotta come back home today watch what you're saying next. I'm just kidding. She's very sassy. And yesterday, um, Sonia was cooking all day for, for us and making this amazing spread of food. And Sonia looked at Michaela, who we're trying to teach to be independent, and looked at her and said, hey, I want you to go take a bath. And uh, she said, hey, can I, can I do, you know, can we have a bubble bath? And Sonia looked at her and said, nope, can't have a bubble bath. And she said, why can't I have a bubble bath? Because it's late and you need to go to church tomorrow. She looked at Sonia and said, uh, I didn't make it late. You took long to cook food. And Sonia had the spatula in her hand. Curry dripping from it. And I walked into the room. I'd just come in from outside and I walked into the room and Sonny looked at me and said, you better get your daughter right now. <laughs> I, took, I took Michaela into the room and I, and I looked at her and said, I call her Mickey. I said, Mickey, do you know what went into mom taking this long to cook food? Said she wanted, we were out all week, we were eating out and just didn't enjoy any part of it. We wanna just get back home, have a home-cooked meal. And I I looked at her and said, do you know what went into this? This act of love, like these five dishes that mom prepared. Do you know it takes time and effort? It just doesn't appear out of nowhere. And she said, no. I said, it takes time. See, all you can think about is you were not on time. I can't have my bubble bath because you took too long to cook the food. See, sometimes we can get caught up in our bubble baths and wanting what we want when we want it. That we forget that someone's cooking up a storm and he's taking his time because he wants to make it beautiful. But all you care about is possible. But you can appreciate. You can not appreciate the process because Your mind cannot comprehend it. And in those moments, some of us have to just calm down. We got to chill out. Look at someone sitting next to you and say, chill out. We got to chill out. And we got to say, I might not understand. And that's totally okay. I I probably don't understand what God is doing in my life right now. And that's okay. Because God has got my back. See, here's the thing. God, Satan uses adversity to call into question our beliefs in the existence and the goodness of God. And I said that. There's a pain that all of us go through in our lives where we question everything about God. But here's the thing. If he can get you to question his existence, he will call into question his goodness because that is what your faith and my faith rests on. If he can get to one of those two things, he can pull the rug of faith out of underneath me. But here's what he does when he goes through loss. You know what he does? The Bible says he weeps. He weeps. See, faith doesn't change reality. Faith believes that God can change it or that God can change me in it. I'm going to to say that one more time. See, faith doesn't deny reality. It doesn't deny your circumstances. Faith believes that God can change your circumstance or faith can believe that God can change you in your circumstance. Either of these two two things can happen. Even, Even if it doesn't change, he will change me in it. I can go into the pit, Joseph, but I can come out of the pit. It doesn't have to end me. Sometimes he's not going to dig around the pit and make it bigger for you to stay in and make it comfortable for you. But remember, there's a palace that comes out of it. You may go into the fury furnace, but you will come out. You may go into the lion's den, but you will come out. You may go into the grave, but you will resurrect. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to go through pains. It's okay to sing those songs of pain. In your pain, the first thing that he did was he broke down and he started crying in the presence of God. The Bible says he wept. How many of you, how many of us do not hesitate to put everything out of the altar? Would you stand up with me, church, as I close this message up? You know, the fire of God only consumes what you put on the altar. Right, Lisa? Like, God wouldn't consume anything or God wouldn't be pleased with anything that wasn't put on the altar. He can consume what you don't put out. You know what Jesus looked at the people that came up to him and said, that they, they wanted healing, what do you want? Like, how do I know what to heal if you don't tell me what you have? So many of us hold it on the inside. See the the, the the fire of God only consumes what you put on the altar. Jesus healed people who healed what people revealed. If if you don't if if you don't face it, if you don't present it to God, He doesn't fix it. God says, "Man, I came to heal the brokenhearted, but He can't heal the brokenhearted if you hide the brokenness. I can't heal the hurt that doesn't exist. He's not intimidated by your issue, like you're intimidated by your issue." We can't heal what I hide some of us are not winning because we're not weeping we're just holding it together we're just strong we're like no I don't want to show it on the outside but there's strength when somebody says I need Jesus to do this for me God I'm, I'm gonna cry through my pain I'm gonna pray through my pain I'm going through pain and I'm gonna let it known Lord that I'm in pain today but some people are so afraid to lay out their pain because it shows weakness but you know what Jesus did? Jesus looked at the city of Jerusalem and what does the Bible say? He cried. Because the situation in Jerusalem was so bad. He cried. He walked into the temple and he was, he was disgusted and he, he let it out. He said, no. The righteous anger. Jesus cried. He wept. He modeled what is healthy for the soul. What Job is saying is, I've seen it with these eyes. Not these eyes. This eyes. This eye. These eyes. My heart. i finally seen it with my heart. He wept, and the last thing he did was he worshiped. That was the way a man who went through tragedy was able to say, the good God gives, and the good God takes away. He still stood convinced of the goodness of God as you close your eyes with me today if there's anybody that needs prayers Lisa's gonna be available for prayer Sonia's gonna be available for prayer if anybody needs prayers I'm gonna be available for prayer as well if y'all need to pray with somebody today as a church we believe in prayer we believe in standing in the gap There's something that you need prayers about today, we're gonna to pray for you. I need a couple of people to stand with Vicky and Jeff today and pray with them. If if you can if you could probably step out of your seat and go and stand with Vicki and pray for her. Vicki injured her knee, and we're believing for healings. We prayed that, we declared that. We declared that, and we're gonna pray that over her. We're gonna pray for Lydia and Eva today they're not feeling well Lydia and Andrew were supposed to dedicate their child today as well and they had to back up because they weren't feeling well Lydia and Eva were not feeling well let's pray for them we're praying for Merrill's uncle Baiju who has cancer we're going to pray for him we're praying for Mary we're praying for cancer healing from cancer we're praying for David we're praying for his lungs his heart there's nothing impossible for our God, amen? There's nothing impossible for our God. God is able, God is mighty. I'm just gonna pray for people that are sick and we're gonna spend some time praying for, for Justin as well in a few moments, I'll, I'll call Justin up, but I want us to pray as a church and I'm gonna spend a few moments praying right now and I want y'all to believe in me, with me in prayer. Is anybody believing for a breakthrough? Is anybody going through something and this message spoke to somebody, I need you to pray with me today. I want you to believe in prayer. I want you to believe in faith. I want you to declare in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.